Hello, travelers. This is Paula Schmidt, and welcome to my theater of the mind, Evening's Kingdom. In addition to performing my stories aloud for you here, stories which, don't forget, are also available to buy via eveningskingdom.com, I also interview the artists and thinkers who inspire me. And I believe they will inspire you as well. Today's guest is my marvelous, magical friend, Justin Buher. Justin has 15 years of experience as a culinary director, food and beverage manager, event specialist, and traveling chef in Spain, Switzerland, Croatia, and beyond. As a private event and retreat chef, he creates truly joyful experiences through holistic food cooked with a sense of place. Justin Buher infuses his creations with flower essences to enhance moods, along with Ayurvedic and Chinese herbs to strengthen the body. Through flavor, texture, aroma, and vision, his food gently demands your attention while also nurturing connection, growth, and your expansion. Justin's mantra while cooking, abundance. Justin, welcome to Evening's Kingdom and a belated happy birthday. Oh, thank you. So nice to be here talking with you. So nice to talk to you. Where are you right now? Uh, Right now, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm actually at home. I decided to take a break for a little while to come talk with you. So been relaxing for a bit, which is really nice. And before we get too far, just to paint a picture, there is a review for your work I'd like to share from Hannah Ataffi, who is a retreat facilitator. She says, to watch Justin Cook is like watching water. His seamless flow, ease and presence takes up the space between you and the food. You have a hypnotic grace in everything you do. And this is just a teaser, but I'm curious about the cool experiences your energy has taken you into, especially some involving tantric magic. But let's come back to that. You have Mm -hmm. accomplished so many things. Have you ever completely changed your life, maybe multiple times, to get to where you are now? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... The big changes are the ones that really are the movers, you know. Um, A lot of the big changes for me would come in opportunities that required me to move or to leave one thing quickly and then grab onto what was coming next. Um, One of the recent big changes was moving from, and we were both kind of in a similar position of leaving uh, this beautiful place that we lived and venturing into the unknown of somewhere new. For me, that landed me in Phoenix from South Carolina a year ago. And um, a lot of those changes for me, when they come up, I just just go for it all out. (laughs) I usually, uh, something will come up and it's something that I've been putting out into the world and I've been waiting on. I might not really know exactly what it is, you know. But when it comes up, I know what it is and I pounce and I just go for it. And, um, I usually, it's for some reason in the past, it's always in, 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 uh, involved moving, whether it's 
within town to a different place or to a different state or going on a big trip somewhere or something. And it's always been like a one week or a two week decision. Like, all right, let's go. One week later, I'm gone. It is unusual, I think, to change things so completely on a dime. So you would have to really trust your intuition and, and recognize those opportunities. Is there yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That you get that tells you mm, a feeling of being in alignment. It's those opportunities for me, I notice them come up when I'm already in alignment. And it's like preparation uh, creates them, you know. Um, what is the saying? Good luck comes from good preparation. It's like some of the things may be like, wow, how did you get that opportunity? And it's like, well, I think I've, I've been working towards that and putting the fillers out for a long time and it just came up and it seems like it's all of a sudden, you know, things that are like, wow, where did this come from? And if you really look back, it's like, no, I've, I've been practicing that. I've been practicing what was necessary to bring this about so that it can blossom, you know, so that it can bloom within my life. What sorts of energetic work or, yeah, I guess I don't know how to describe it. Um, what sorts of work do you do to bring yourself into alignment? I've done a lot of different things over the years. Anyone kind of in the search mode has that's uh, really looking to deepen them, their sense of self, their path, their walk. I probably experienced similar, but anything from uh, yoga in the past and meditation and Zen meditation, more silent stuff, and then guided meditation. I say get probably just meditation in general is a a big one, you know, to reflect, to look at your actions, to look at where you're at from an observational point of view instead of a victim, which is a, I think when we're not in a good state, we're more of a, these things are happening to me instead of me creating them. And that's like a big splitter for me, of uh, the mental process, things can happen to you or you can create things that happen. Um, and uh, now it's, it's how that path has led me into uh, Buddhism, particularly uh, Tibetan style Buddhism of Vajrayana. And it uh, has a lot to do with the constant observation of the self and the betterment of yourself. And for the purpose of happiness for everybody in the world <laughs> an offering mm -hmm. your, your actions as an offering that's lovely i say one of the the practice I, I did today actually i messaged you this morning like oh i just finished this practice it's called a smoke offering and it's this beautiful chant and it, it's in tibetan but the words are basically going through every single type of person and being and unseen beings and um, animals and plants and stars and angels and demons and every single possible thing that you could ever think of and making a wish for them, like making some, some kind of wish for goodness for everyone. And you visualize the smoke that you're burning of these particular herbs to be that as it drifts out and everybody in the whole world gets it. <laughs> and sometimes it's fun it's beautiful because like it really can be anything you know it's like 
it could be uh, everybody gets cookies, <laughs> you know, like, or uh, I like to think of mangoes in the sky. Like everybody gets to see mangoes in the sky. Like how crazy would that be? You know, it's pretty cool. And such a like small, funny thing like that could be so happy. Or yeah. somebody recently told me that they did it and they would wish for like everybody to get to have a baby deer. <laughs> or it could be something a lot more deep, uh, deeper to have like a moment of clarity in the day. Like yeah. one of those just beautiful moments of clarity. I've heard this about sending out love, but to do it with such a, a beautiful feeling tone or visualization would be really deepening, I think. Mm, yeah. And even sending it to the stars. I've been doing something recently where I'm actually inviting energies in to dwell and be safe here in our place as long as uh, they um, are benevolent. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I, I like the ideas of, of casting outwards as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a side note on mangoes, I read somewhere this gorgeous phrase. Somebody was talking about <laughs> the heartbeat of mangoes falling from the trees. They're, <laughs> they're neat to think with. Well, so tell me about this lovely coven of women that you're living and working with in Arizona. Uh, so that was, you know, one of the things that pulled me out here was the opportunity to uh, work with, with them. And it's a group of um there's a couple guys as well, but when uh, I first came, it was it's mostly women that have started it. But they are these amazing, uh, very special people that have worked together for many, many years. I think 20 plus years they've all worked and uh, lived amongst each other and helped each other grow. And they all have different businesses. Uh, one is... Uh, owner of Lotus Way, which is a flower essence company. Um, they do flower essences of all kinds of different flowers from all around the world to uh, help help everybody that takes them through their the bioenergetic properties of flowers. One um, uh, Lisa does chocolate, and she is like a meditation expert. And her idea was like, how do I? get meditation out into the world, but not in this, like, all right, everybody sit down. You know, it's harder to get people to sit down. So she did it through chocolate. She came up with this idea that she could make chocolate and just put the intention that you let the piece of chocolate slowly melt in your mouth until it dissolves into your being. And that was your meditation. And it's like such a beautiful, like cool, creative, crafty way to get people to take a moment of observation, you know, um, and uh, Allison makes tea as well as a, she's a, an amazing uh, painter and she does all kinds of different medicinal and herbal teas. Um, also my friend Taylor, who I uh, live with in college, she works with Lotus Way is like the, they call her the beauty revealer when she's, she would say the more uh, general term for that would be like creative marketing director, but she really is like the beauty revealer. And there's a couple other folks that, that are around as well, acupuncturist and uh, massage therapist and just a big group of people that want to help and heal everyone. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. That must be epic energy. And it is. This idea of marketing is revealing the beauty. That is 
that is really cool. And it shifts the intention there from like this sort of icky thing that doesn't feel quite right to like wanting to share it. Yeah. Yeah, that it is. Cause, uh, gosh, I mean, I know for a lot of people, it's probably like that. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm just reaching out, trying to get attention or something. You're like, no, like what if I'm just a beauty revealer? What if I'm just revealing myself? You know, it's like a, just choosing a slightly different words can totally change the mindset and your intention. Yeah, totally shift the energy because the word is not the thing. It's it's just like our attempt to describe this idea and mm-hmm. become these traps. They're not even meant to be at all. We just have to shake them off. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so you said <laughs> these women, they've all known each other for 20 years. Do you yeah. know, how did they find each other? Um, two of them met in Tibet, actually. Huh. They were both there. Uh, one was on, had been there for a while um, on retreat in the mountains. She had been in a cave in the mountains for three years. Wow. And uh, Allison, I'm not sure how she came to be there, but she was there uh, through practice as well. And then I think they all met when they moved back to the States that they met Katie on uh, at random. I think they met her at random, like in a, a store and, there's a there's an underlying thread that has has them all tied together probably through many lives and yeah. they found each other. Alignment. Yeah. Like you said. <laughs> and how how did you get connected with them? Uh, through my d- good friend uh, Taylor. So Taylor and I met in college through the restaurant we worked at. It's kind of a similar funny thing where like. We had never talked before. I worked in the back of house as a kitchen chef, and then she was a hostess and had just started college. I think she was like 18. I was, I don't know, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. And um, we both just sat down outside while they were filming a TV show in the restaurant, actually. That was funny. And we sat down, and we were like, hey. And then the next quick conversation was like, we both really need somewhere to live. We were in really bad living situations. And I think a week later we moved in together. (laughs) So another one of those just like came about, trust it, felt good. Don't worry. Um, And then uh, she, so she works for uh, Lotus Way and um, I came out to visit a couple of times and met everyone. And that's how I got hooked up with them. And you're continuing your work as a traveling chef? Yes, absolutely. I get to bring in all of their beautiful things into my work, you know, like, okay, tea, chocolate, flower essences. Wow, my ability to go out into the world and cook food for people is just greatly enhanced by uh, these amazing products, these amazing creations, practices that they've made. I love this review from Eli Buren, a a Qigong practitioner who leads these immersion retreats that you've chefed for. Mm -hmm. He writes, Justin's capacity to sense group rhythms in a retreat setting is exceptional. He tunes into where we're at, what we need, and creates nourishment to support where we are going. Creating art from any ingredient, Justin's presence is a joy to be around. This last retreat of his that you chefed involves some intimacy work. Uh, tantra and sex magic and I'm really curious about this for a character in an upcoming book 
This is the writer's version of asking for a friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us more about anything you learned at that retreat? Any experiences you have with it? Yeah, yeah. Um, to see, so that was it. Was really interesting because the I did two retreats for him and his uh, partner for the retreat, Alexandra Alexandra uh, Roxo, and they did separate uh, retreats for men and women, like a men's retreat and then a women's retreat at the same time, but in separate locations. And then the next week after they did an intimacy retreat where it was co-ed and the practices were done together. And I'm not, um, I mean, obviously cooking for a, a large group of people. Um, I started my practice in doing so is like in the kitchen. I really, uh, sink into that as like my dojo, if you would, or mm-hmm. my altar. So I don't I don't participate in any any of the practices at that time because there's a lot of people. Um, but I do get to interact with everyone before and after. And you know, the chef is at one of these retreats is kind of like a bartender at a restaurant. It's like the person that gets to hear everybody talk about everything. <laughs> And also them tell you about things and um, to see the before and after effects of different practices that they're doing for the intimacy retreat. Yeah, like in the description of their retreat, it was uh, intimacy, tantra and sex magic. And from what I gathered from everyone was it's a lot of like really deep energy work. Uh, On an individual side, it was very much in touch with clearing out things like clearing out blockages that had to do with uh, any type of sexual intimacy or love or relationship. Um, and then on uh, in partner practice, uh, it was, for me, it was very different too in that there were couples and individuals all mixed together. And for first I was like, well, that, what does that really mean? You know, what are they, what is the practice of that? But you're able to, by doing like, a, I think a, a gazing, I think maybe one was called a gazing practice where you're really closed eyes, just close to someone and focused on the energy flow between them, able to see and feel something you might not have noticed before. Um, and then the guidance from the practitioners is to open those things up um, and be able to sit in that for longer. I, uh, I actually did a Tantra evening with my husband when we were in Denver. Oh, okay. In a yoga studio, and it was completely transcendent. It was like breath work sitting in a circle for hours. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were a couple of times, like during the retreat, where everybody came back to eat, and it was like, I was like, okay, this is one of those times where I'm silent because everyone just went through something super intense. Because they all look like, uh, you know, that like they did. They just look like they ran a marathon or like saw a, a grizzly bear run at them or saw a ghost or, or just completely like drained because of how much they uh, either cleared out or put out. Or, but breath work was a huge part. Um, that was actually, I should have said that first. Breath work was like the biggest practice that I would hear them talk about. Yeah, it's. I'm sure for some people it just comes really naturally, and it certainly seemed to for some people in our group, but um, it's something I would like to 
explore more with guidance because being around other people really elevates the whole thing. And you really, you do need someone to guide you through it. It's not American society. It it kind of goes against everything American society starts teaching us when we're children, you know, like you're separate from everyone. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't breathe from your belly and all, all this. I, I don't know. It it just, um, I had a lot, you're talking about clearing blockages. I had a lot of training to undo. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of that comes from childhood. I mean, you probably know that, but yeah, childhood. And as you continuously grow up being told, no, you can't do this. You're supposed to do this. This is how you do this. And then this This doesn't exist. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's like, Oh, there's other ways. Yeah. It's wonderful. (laughs) There's endless ways. Yeah. Now I have to remove this really thick pattern. (laughs) I like that thick pattern because it's just, it's just a veil, just a pattern. Mm hmm. That must be a thrill for you to to help nourish people as they move through this incredible journey over a period of days and days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the men that were there, I think only, yeah, some of the men and women, they went to both. So they were actually immersed in the, this beautiful, pristine area in Zion, uh, Utah. Absolutely amazing, beautiful property. It's called Lazalu. And they were there for three weeks, you know, um, like, I mean, so that's a, for me to be there for three weeks was like, wow, incredibly deepening and just to be away from city and people. But to be doing the practice for that long is really interesting and you can see huge change. It takes a lot of dedication. Yeah, that's the word I think I'm looking for is dedication. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you come out of, of those sorts of transcendent experiences, and you're like, I'm never going to go back to the way I was. <laughs> yeah. you, you do have to keep working to bring yourself back to it. And it gets a little, a little harder all the time the further you get away from those teachers and other people who are actively, you know, practicing that discipline. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for it, though. Yeah, you should come along one. I would love one. that. Yeah. And here in Charleston, when you come back, there's an ecstatic dance group that meets. Oh, and cool. Yeah, I need to go. We we just we're we're still settling in, but I think that'll be that'll be pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I had a couple dance parties in the kitchen when I felt like it was needed. <laughs> Spraying lotus way and just clearing out the energy. <laughs> yeah. Spraying flower essences everywhere in the air and like playing some funk music, some James Brown. Yeah, that's beautiful. And then with your food, um, what sorts of things would you do to move the energy along or hold space for energy? And do you, are you doing courses or is the course throughout the course of the retreat or how is that structured? Um, so I base it first off of like where I'm at like when I'm creating a menu where I'm at and then conversing, conversating with uh, the facilitators of the retreat. So like, what is it about? What are they, what, what type of mean? So simple things at first, like what type of menu do you want? What kind of allergies, you know, go through all the basic things. And then after that, I can really dive in and look at where we're at. Uh, Like a menu that I would make for in Zion, Utah, which is, uh, Mojave desertish uh, kind of area. 
um, is very different from the one that I just did while I was in Costa Rica, which was um, uh, more of a uh, resort. Or, I mean, the, the, it's not a resort at all, but the vibe of it was like this beautiful, just like lush jungle property with casitas and stuff. So completely different um, menu that creates a drop into where you're at. So that's the purpose of the sense of place within the creation of a, a dish, you know. Um, and then after that, I really look into the traditional Chinese medicine seasonal cooking style as well as like Ayurveda. And um, I talk with um, Katie on like different flower essences that I can use within the whole menu. Oh, cool. Um to enhance the mood and to enhance the health benefits and everything, but it's not a overboard. Everything is, seems familiar and really delicious. It's not a, not like doing a pancha karma in India or something like that where you just eat kitchery. But I do make kitchery, but I'll make it in a way that it's, it's like, wow, really absolutely delicious and whatnot. Um, but I'll kind of create the flow of a week based on the practices within it's like if there's a fast during the week, um, I will start the week out with some type of uh, really grounding, like everybody's coming in from all over the place, really grounding uh, soup typically because it's so nourishing and easy and easy to digest, easy on the body, easy on the mind, low preparation for everybody. <laughs> and that really helps with just setting the mood of just like calm, abundance and ease because you can put so much into a soup. So what kinds of things would you put into a grounding soup? Um, for a grounding soup, I, would, I always start a, a big soup broth base out with tons of dried flowers and herbs and seeds and spices and root vegetables. And um, uh, if there, if it, if there's no, vegetarian or vegan i'll do bones mm. um to just and mushrooms there's a lot of mushrooms reishi and chaga and all these different adaptogenic herbs like ashwagandha and shatavari and turmeric and ginger and ginseng and you know all these things that are just bursting with life and close but to they it. are also Makes sense. yeah but they're also like super grounding yeah. and balancing for hormones which are typically kind of what's kind of going crazy when you're traveling and whatnot um and from there uh it's kind of depending on the place like if i was in zion I, I made like a bitter gourd and pork meatball soup or if it's more in the springtime in zion i made a dandelion green soup with barley so i call these more uh, bitter sour greens and barley, they all really help cleanse the liver in the spring, which is really great for the beginning of a retreat also. So you're cleaning out your liver and then I'll go into more like building everything back up. So more like heavy, uh, not he heavy is a bad word, but uh, nourish, like really deep nourishing dishes. Uh, throughout the rest of the week. And then I love having like a big communal meal the last week, the last day of the retreat where everybody can sit together and have this just like massive array of dishes on the table and pass them and talk and hang out. Oh, yeah. The structure of the dishes themselves, that does make a big difference. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, beautiful. You mentioned once to me um, a drink that you'll make to lure people in over to a campfire. Oh, yeah. That one kind of, it, it came about for that purpose, you know, and that's part of, um, I think, what Eli means by, like, tuning into what's going on at a retreat. I'm not just there to, I've cooked my lunch, I've cooked my dinner, now I'm leaving, and anything else is not on the table. Like, I'm fully involved. I want it to be as best possible. Sometimes that means not doing anything, and then sometimes it means, like, if I can see it and feel it and think it would be great to start a big fire so that when everybody comes back from their night practice, there's a big communal fire. And then I made a uh, giant, this huge, for 50 men in the desert in Death Valley. I made this huge, giant pot of chaga, reishi, co- cocoa, cacao, um, basically like a, a cocoa drink. But it was spiced with cardamom and cinnamon sticks, these giant, like, foot-long Chinese cinnamon sticks. Oh, cool. Um, a ton of fresh ginger. Uh, I forget what else I put in. Star anise is a really, like, you don't think about that one for drinks. But when you have all these other rich flavors like that, the star anise really gives a cool spice. But, yeah, the, all of that into one drink. And it's, so it's, basically, it's more like a tea, but it's like a, co- like a cocoa beverage you know and whereas the nights before everybody kind of came and had a you know grab a snack or something and go off to bed everyone stayed there and talked and hung out and it was pretty amazing because first it's like everybody's like wow yeah this is great like more fire la 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 and then the fire and the drink just drop everybody down and everybody just sat down and had their little small group talks around the fire and stayed for a long time and it was like wow you can really um something so simple just the idea of having a drink after dinner you know like i love having tea after dinner it's such a beautiful thing to just take a little bit of extra time to like sit and talk and the stars out there must have been incredible (laughs) oh it was it just completely nuts there's no light so this is a bit of a segue uh i know you think a lot about the structure of dinner parties Mm -hmm. and how to like indulge all the senses, even when guests are walking up to a dinner. And I should also pause and say, when we first met, Andrew and I were actually working on converting a school bus into our cabin on wheels in the parking lot of the building where you were living, which was, I think it's okay to say now, not zoned for habitation. <laughs> <laughs> no, they got they got caught. <laughs> <laughs> but you made it beautiful, and there was paintings and books and plants everywhere. And you had um, Broccoli Boy, your friend, making screen prints out in the yard. And our friend Logan, who's like an artist contractor, was doing his thing over in another lot. Then there was another guy. Never really understood what he was doing. He always had his garage down and he was working with a lot of chemicals in kind of a strange way. <laughs> On oh, cars. He was, he I was saw making car. a car. He was making a car with Bondo, like yeah, totally he was from Bondo. Actually oh, no making mess. a car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, not Crazy. Guy. He was there all the time. Yeah. Anyway, you were also throwing these underground dinner parties that were spectacular 
happenings that I've never, I've never seen anything like it. You would put out all these beautiful blowing sheets all down the docks of the warehouse and have candles and altars and these incredibly coursed dinner parties where you just, you completely transported us. Everybody was charmed and I don't know, it was, it was a wonderful, sensuous, enchanting experience. And I was so sad when the landlord caught you (laughs) 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 and shut it down. So anyway, yeah. I talked too long there, but if you want to take it from there, I would make a <laughs> fabulous dinner party. Oh, that was so fun. But yeah, that was, it was also funny when the landlord came because, you know, this is this kind of defunct warehouse um, that he's just kind of like letting people use for me for living. And, you know, y'all should buzz and all this other random things going on. And then the one time that he walked up and I was set, I remember I was setting down like the last table's plates, like getting ready for dinner. And it was a beautiful, I just, it was probably the fourth or fifth time. So it's like each time got better and better, like more beautiful, more beautiful. And us candles and like you said, sheets flowing from the rafters. And that was amazing. He just stepped up and was like, oh, well, just, this looks like a restaurant. <laughs> and I was like, Oh uh, yeah, I'm just having some friends over for dinner. <laughs> there's like, totally you know, there's, there's like 10, 12 tables, all separate, clearly set up. And uh, yeah, he probably knew, but he really, I mean, he was an interesting guy. Yeah, He really probably thought it was pretty cool, but then was like, you can't be doing that. You, this is liability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I think um, after that I had one more inside my apartment I can't remember but yeah the, those dinners were really really fun and it's something that I continue to do and I love doing it all started from wanting just literally just wanting to have people sit down and eat dinner together so I would have friends over to eat at my house in our carport and we would pick an idea or a theme or something and slowly it built up into this thing called the carport cafe where it was like four friends and then eight and then 10 and then 15. And then like all of a sudden there's like 30 people all sitting down together at one giant table in our carport. And it's, uh, the, the biggest one was themed on prints. So we have like every dish is, themed with a print song. We play the song while you're eating the dish. Everything's purple. And it's really like, for me, it was always, because I come from more fine dining, uh, not not exactly fine dining, but really, really delicious high-end food. And I wanted to do this for all of my friends and people in a way that anybody could come and get that experience. So it would be like this really amazing depth of food and experience, like everything from walking up and the smells of what things are purple, lavender, wisteria and blueberries or, you know, they're blue, but they're purple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, because that facilitates that image in your mind, you know, a soft smelling lavender does facilitate the soft purple color in your mind. Mm -hmm. And then sitting down to purple table, you get that, um, And then every aspect of the dinner and any dinner that I do, if I can, like you said, I'm trying to create this like sensory 
pleasure experience. And sometimes not even just pleasure. Sometimes it's like to push the limit of a sense, um, like what, uh, what you normally might not eat. Can it look different and then you like it? Or can you eat something that you normally do and you not even know it because it's something that looks so different, different color? Um, one of my other favorite dishes while doing the Carport Cafe was called the Mystery mystery Sauce. And it was paired with this, uh, the dinner was paired with the artist. And she did all black and white with just little pops of color. So I made this whole giant table and painted sauces all over the table, but they were all black and white with a couple yellow ones and a couple reds. And the first dish was that. You just got bread and everybody, and I made everybody sit beside people you don't know. And it was like, okay, ready, set, go. The game is to figure out what you're eating, and you have to talk about it. And it's just wild what people would think they were tasting. You know, they're like, what is this, seaweed? And I'm like, that's garlic aioli. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just black, you know. Um, But through that, I realized, like, that's that, that type of dish, this, like, kind of mystery it really enhances the communal aspect. It makes everybody interact. Really, really fun. But uh, I, draw, I take all of that and those practices and learnings and try to continuously apply them to every dinner and every food experience that I create. And where do you hope to take all your chef work ultimately? Ultimately, that's a good question. <laughs> so, so that's actually something I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, I really love doing retreats. Um, I love cooking dinners. I love cooking at any time for anyone. I also love doing a million other things. Uh, <laughs> I love building stuff. I love painting. I love um, playing guitar and skating and surfing and all these other things. Um, remodeling houses is something I love doing too. So it's fun to work with y'all on your bus. So it's tough. It's tough when you are so, when I am like so at ease with doing many different, all all of those things. I'm at at ease with moving through them. Uh, But for cooking, I think I would really love to have a space to do dinners and be able to consistently do those dinners, uh, that type of kind of sensory pleasure dinner to really deepen the practice. And then uh, for my own personal experience, I'm really interested and desiring of more knowledge within traditional Chinese medicine nutrition. It is so fascinating and so beautiful. It's kind of like there's our same thing from earlier of shifting the way you talk about it, you know, what your words are for describing things. They look at food and the body in a completely different way. Do you have some examples? Gosh, I was just listening to um, a class this morning, and one of the oh, the, one of the super simple ones that really clicks with me is like in the West we see for like a nutritionist or a dietitian or something they'll see like okay this plate of food it has this many carbs and this many sugars it is uh, has these these vitamins vitamin A C E and D and you know, all these other elements that like make up the composition. And then from the Chinese medicine perspective, they would look at it and they would say, this dish is cooling to the body because of its ingredients. 
It is invigorating for the kidney. It's nourishing for the liver. It is sends energy upwards through your body if it's very hot. If it's really cold or grounding, it sends energy down through the body. So there's a total like energetic um, and more action-based look at what the food is. And I think that's really beautiful. Like the essence of what you're eating has an effect on your body. It's not just a a pile of numbers. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's yeah. like green would be incredibly uh, deleterious. Is that how you say? It would be ter- terrible, you know, long term because it's just so such dead powdered food. Yeah, like there's there's good things to the the more like looking at it macro or micro within the nutrient composition, but without looking at how it truly affects the body's like energy systems it's not as efficient. So are you experimenting with any of this um, on yourself? Yeah, absolutely. That's how I learned everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't have any particular experiments. Right right now, I am trying to nourish my kidneys. And the majority of people um, have some type of kidney deficiency. How would you know? Ways to know are fatigue or low, low energy or low focus, um, erratic mood swings, behavioral changes, because all of those things, uh, you might, you might hear all those words and be like, oh, that sounds like hormone problems, but kidneys govern the the hormones. So if you have a kidney deficiency, your hormones cannot function properly. And that usually... A really easy, the reason why it's, it's kind of easy to say generally, like everybody probably has a little bit of kidney deficiency, is that kidney it actually uh, um, is a big part of your chi flow in your body too, is uh, we're all depleted from like go, 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 go. So we're all pushing, pushing, pushing to do more, more, more. Um, you get adrenal fatigue. Sure. And you get, yeah, you get stuck in flight, uh, flight mode, flight or flight or flight, fight mode, they call it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, screens and um, work and friends and places to go and this and this and this and this and there's not settle, calm, nourishing time. So what, um, what sorts of foods would TCM recommend to nourish the kidneys? Protein is like the easy for, like first one to to go for like protein really nourishes the kidneys um pork is a really good one pork is interesting with tcm versus you know western medicine because i think if you're having like literally the kidneys you don't they tell you not to have too much protein which might be you know too blunt a a hammer (laughs) yeah to the um that's them saying like not to have too much is really important too. Like I say, like, Oh, like protein and whatnot, but uh, have really good, high quality balanced amounts of protein. So what would like, be like a, like a serving size, like four ounces? Um, I think it's depending on the person. Sure. And you can, like, it can be from be like beans are wonderful for the oh kidneys. Kidney beans. beans. Like <laughs> That's why they're called kidney beans. They're oh, not, they look like them. And then what is that? That's called the law of, signatures 
the law of signatures is where food that looks like an organ usually is really good for it, like a uh, walnut. Yeah. Yeah, they look brain. like your brain. Uh-huh. Or uh, what's one? Um, pomegranate. Pomegranate's really good for like women's reproductive. And it's like, oh, there's like seeds and uh, there's a part of the reproductive organ that looks kind of like that as you cut it open or like, or if you just wanted to think of it from the plain sense of it being this like blood colored color, Mm. colored color. (laughs) Um, But then uh, also for the kidney is like molasses. um, Magnesium is in molasses. Magnesium is really good for nourishing the kidney. Um, And it's got some iron too, I think. mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iron is great for it. And it's, there's a lot of different herbs and seeds and whatnot that are really great too. But the main thing is that you have a balance of those because it's not like this, the reason this really high quality pork is so good for your kidney is that it nourishes just your kidney. But along with that comes like all these amino acids and all these uh, vitamins and minerals that a like good um, high quality piece of pork protein or beef carries with it yeah grass-fed beef i think has a ton of um what is omega-3s yeah it's like grass-fed i feel like for a while grass-fed or like beef has just got like a really bad rap and i've been doing a lot of uh research and practicing cooking with bone broths and also with beef bone broth powder for like can i use this to be a little quicker because i mean I don't have time to make bone broth from scratch all the time. And looking at like the, like we were talking about, like from the numbers perspective, it's, it's insane. It's crazy how much stuff is in beef, like for someone with, uh, that needs like any kind of blood nutrition, especially. What about um, the spleen? Because I, I, I could, I don't, I don't have the most cursory understanding of all this, but with TCM, it's the spleen and the kidneys that are kind of, is it the governors? I can't remember how they refer to Yeah. The spleen is the, like, uh, I don't uh, I don't have a word for it either. It's newer to me. But it's, like, most important um, of, the, of the organs. It's, like, the governor, the mind. Um, oh, that would be important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny how it's not the brain, right? It's these organs that, again, in Western medicine don't really think about unless you're on dialysis right just take it a bit for granted and then it's everything when you're looking into acupuncture and you go see somebody there because i did that and they they were talking this in the kidney and the spleen and it was all greek to me but fascinating Mm, yeah and then like your kidney like acupressure or uh, acupuncture points you can use those to facilitate like uh, pushing more energy to those things that are weak, and like it's fun. The, like well, that's one thing I'm doing is on the bottom of your foot, kind of to the right of your big toe mound, I guess, or the ball of your big toe. Mm-hmm. There's a point that's like your kidney point. So I put a flower essence essential oil on that point every day. Oh wow, that's that's really exciting. <laughs> it is. Um, the flower essences, uh, they can be used for that specific bird. Like an acu- acupuncturist can use flower essences on the different 
points of the body, the acupressure points, instead of using needles, and they will have a have an effect like that. And different flower essences are particular for each organ or each different pressure point. Oh, man, that is really cool. Like if you're acupuncturist, so it's like, oh, do you do the needles? They're more, yeah. you know, po- they're more on point. <laughs> We're coming there in September and you can get it done. I know it. I totally will. I'm, I'm very excited. That's yeah. Exciting. What's the name of that retreat going to be for anyone who wants to look it up? Yeah, so that is the Lotus Way Flower Lounge Tour. So I, I, I'm with Lotus Way uh, Flower Essence, like with them, Katie, and I actually saw basically everyone I've mentioned. <laughs> and we've been going to different cities around the United States and doing a big event where everybody can experience and learn about the flower essences. And then they, for the week after, they do a whole plethora of different treatments involving flower essences. And sending out smoke offerings, too. And sending out, like, smoke offerings. Oh, we so we do a smoke offering at every event. Oh, wow. And that's Lotus Way, um, L-O-T-U-S-W-E-I, right? That is correct. Yeah, you gave me some of their elixirs, and I, I love, love, love them. But I haven't tried uh, doing acupressure. Would you still call it acupressure if it's oil anointing? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that it really has a name, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just another strange thing I'm doing. But um, that is, that's fun to think about. Very yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, so I totally distracted you for um, TCM with the spleen. Do with you, the spleen. What do you know about nourishing the spleen? Through your I don't know very much about it. Because I haven't practiced it on myself yet. <laughs> <laughs> but the kidney. All right, I got you. Yeah, that's what I, like I got my, I went to an um, acupuncturist, a TCM doctor, and they did a, they, it's funny, they look at your tongue and they take your pulse reading and look at your body and ask you some questions and then they come up with, they decide based on those um, answers and uh, pressure, or your, uh, what the heck is it, what did I just say? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> my pulse, a pulse is a big one, um, and they can tell, you know, they, they can tell immediately what you're imbalanced in. And so he told me that I had a kidney deficiency. It's funny that came, the reason I was really interested to know what it was is because I have uh, low blood flow to the extremities of my body, so like my fingers and toes. And it comes from my family and they call it Renault syndrome, and it's like, oh, you have Renault syndrome. Like, I have that too. Okay, so, you know, like maybe you've had this experience. It's like, oh, yeah, I just have Renault syndrome. It's just something that happens to me, mm. <laughs> you know. And then for me, uh, it got really bad uh, over the past, like, couple months, That's and I'm in a really hot place, right? Like I'm like, why the heck are my fe- hands getting numb? Like, why are my fingers getting discolored? And then when I was surfing in Costa Rica, I had, uh, I got so cold in the water and it was hot outside, <laughs> you know, wow. the water is also like warm, pretty warm, but I got so cold to where my whole body got cold and shivering and I could function. I was fine, but I was just like, yo, like what the hell is going Your on? Your body's like, telling you something. Yeah. I was like, it's taking me like five hours to get warm. Uh, something's up. And that's a, that's a big part of the kidney is um, nourishing the blood and sending it out around the body. Cool. I will, I will definitely give that a shot. And you know, um, mine's a lot better than it used to be. I think 
staying off wheat and stuff has helped just because inflammation, it makes sense. If you reduce mm-hmm. your inflammation, there's better blood flow. But also uh, the Wim Hof method. Seems oh, yeah. And I, I don't know if you've read his book. He talks about practices specifically to reteach your capillaries to open throughout the body. His, um, so you know, I'm not trained in all this, but I, I found it fascinating. And I did a lot of it this winter when we were in Kansas because it was cold so I could practice. And he says, he posits that because we now wear clothing and we're always in these, um, we're always modulating our environments, our bodies, we're not using our, our, um, our heart to pump blood out correctly any longer. It doesn't have to work as hard. And so these gates in our capillaries all throughout our bodies get very weak. But if you don't wear as much clothing and you do the breath work and you do these, um, these periods of cold exposure and stuff, you can retrain your body, your body's capillaries to flow. And you know, also with meditation and visualization and all this, and I mean, there's a lot more to it, but uh, it's pretty cool. It seems to work. That is pretty cool. Yeah. And if I stop doing it, it stops working. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry though about the numbness. That's uh yeah, it's, it's not bad, you know, it's like not a life-changing, altering thing, but it's like, hey, it's a big part of the type of meditations I do. It's like you try to notice everything. Mm. Like if I eat this one thing, well, how does it affect me? Like even down to like, wow, like I'm being forgetful today. Like, oh, I didn't eat breakfast. That's the change in my life that created forgetfulness today or I'm like getting numb while I'm sitting for evening practice or something like my legs are getting numb. I'm like, Oh, like what did I eat? Mm-hmm. Or what happened? You know, it's like a deep observation into how things affect you and then how you react to them. Yeah. And just staying curious about it all. Staying curious. That's the main thing. Be real, real curious. Dive in. So if anyone listening in is looking to hire a chef for their retreat or private event, how might they reach you? Oh, I would love to hear from anyone. Um, <laughs> you can reach me through my website, which is chefjustinbuer.com or through Instagram, which my handle on Instagram is also chefjustinbuer. And... Um, you can see examples of things that I've done in the past and what I'm doing currently uh, through either of those facets and uh, contact me from there. And you have a really beautiful website, too. Mm, really, thank you. It really gives a sense of the kind of work that you're doing. And I should say, too, it's uh, Boer spelled B-O-O-H-E-R, Justin, chefjustinboer.com. Yeah. And so I have a couple more questions. Yeah, go for it. What advice do you have for people who want to be more free, but who may have serious challenges in obtaining that deep, spacious sense of freedom and love? To be set free from those things, it takes practice. Freedom takes discipline. It takes discipline and practice to look at what, uh, what is holding you back. And you'll probably find that a lot of times it's some grief or sorrow or worry. Worry, 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 worry. Worry about this and worry about that. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And seeing it 
not letting it affect you and then trusting that you can do it or that you are supported. And if you don't feel it or have it, find the support within yourself to be able to blossom, find the all the nutrients and everything you need, whether that's from food or whether it's from doing ecstatic dance or from sitting quietly. It can be, you can be nourished by so many things. And if I had a conversation today where concerning that thought was to clear out space. You got to clear out space within your life to be able to accept new stuff. Mm. I'm just letting that one sink in for a minute. Mm -hmm. If your closet's all full of crazy clothes, you can't buy any new clothes. Mm -hmm. That's great. (laughs) But yeah, just uh, real simple. If you're all full, what's next? can't get anything else in there so that's part of the alignment yeah yeah to be free and light is to be open you got to have some openings i've also i've been doing a lot of journaling work that i'm i'm sharing with my email list and i had one recently um that surprised me where i was i was i was feeling a way i didn't want to feel when i would be in conversations where i would start to get you know, like kind of angry and sad, which is not a way that I am comfortable feeling. I don't feel like that's me. Um, a lot of our friends are having kids and stuff, which is beautiful. And I love their children and I'm so happy for their journey. We've had some miscarriages and stuff and it's it's just totally not on the table right now, which is fine for, with me. It makes mm-hmm. me busy. I don't really want to deal <laughs> with because <it. laughs> the whole miscarriage thing is... It's just horrible. And I, I feel like another path is going to reveal itself when it's time. But I was having this awful bad feeling happen during these happy conversations. So I was like, all right, I need to work on this. And a friend just randomly mentioned, we were talking about something else, the emotional pain body to me, mm-hmm. which I'd never heard of before. And it's an idea of Eckhart Tolle's. So I looked it up, and basically the idea is that you get really quiet and you just witness this emotion and you let it be. And it can be helpful for some people as you're witnessing it to pull back and maybe draw it or paint it. And so I sat down and I realized that the anger and stuff that I was feeling wasn't at these people who I love who are pushing me because they want us to be happy. They want to know what our plan is and all this. It was actually anger and sadness towards my own body. And I had no idea I was feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And in painting it, I could see it, you know, like it was interesting. It wasn't in my actual body. It was almost like this blood red stuff around my upper silhouette. Mm -hmm. kind of a dark coagulated dark silhouette and and so what i'd also read that after you're you're um you're aware of it you just witness it maybe you send it some love and some compassion you're not trying to melt it or heal it or change it or anything you just let it be and i mean just a little bit i did start to feel it give and i've had a new sense of ease again with my friends and I can have these 
conversations again with them, like totally unobstructed. I'm not having this interruption between us because I understand, oh, okay, like I'm working on forgiving my body. There are some things I can't do. And that's part of some other plan and that's okay. I mm-hmm. say all this because your advice to create space and all that. Sometimes first you have to get honest with yourself on what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very much. Mm. Wow, that's amazing that you were you took the time and space to like see and observe that and then share it with me. It's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, it startled to, me. It's pretty wild sometimes when you sit like that and they're like, holy smokes, like I'm just mad at something about me. Yeah. I'm like really giving myself, putting myself down the road. Yeah. Have you had an experience like that too? Um, well, I haven't had anything that it, I can't be on that level. <laughs> but um, actually, uh, yeah, I just had recently a uh, an experience with, uh, it was through actu- acupuncture. I kind of got, got acupuncture from a friend and cool. it triggered uh, a problem I've had for many years with my neck and like uh, that then thus triggers a whole bunch of other stuff because it's moves into a debilitate debilitating manner because I got in a car wreck. And when I got in the car wreck, uh, it was not my fault. I was on a bicycle. Oh God. Um, it was completely life changing. I had like memory loss and I've got scars on my face and other places, my arms and, it's completely life-altering, and it changed the course of many things uh, for me. And like looking now, I'm like, wow, it's like the most amazing. I'm pretty quick to look at something and be like, this is awesome. It really, really, really sucks. But like, I get to experience this. You know, something I never would never get to. Easier to do in hindsight. Um, but uh, for a long time, I've had this problem with my neck where it flares up it gets really stiff i can feel it it gets worse i try to stretch blah 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 and eventually i'll just wake up and won't be able to move you know it's like one of those neck cricks in your neck where you can't get out of bed you have to like push yourself over and like lift yourself up and i even had it to get to the point of making my neck swell up to where it like started closing up my throat like that much tension And uh, I was driving, eating sushi, and I got choked on like a single grain of piece of rice. And I was like, oh, no, this is real bad. (laughs) (laughs) That should this should not be happening. People don't get choked on one piece of rice. And and then I'll I'll like, you know, actually take time, take a break, not go to work and it'll go away. And it happens periodically and it hasn't happened for a long time. And uh, in this acupuncture puncture session he did so he poked my neck and it the next day i was like this is happening i can feel it it's starting and then i was like i got really mad and upset and uh he's really uh, amazing his name is alan he's really great with knowing where in your body you store different emotions because that's also a part of traditional chinese medicine it's like the lungs are grief Oh. And like behind the lungs is like 
grief associated with anger, maybe, or you know, uh, something like that. I can't remember exactly, but the shoulders and the neck are carrying like past weight, possibly. Don't hold me to it, anyone. But um, yeah, he started talking to me and like asking me about why I had this problem. And it's like this, it keeps flaring up, la la la. He's like, okay, let's do this other type of acupuncture treatment. And you need to focus on like reliving that time. And I was like, reliving that time. And it was like I had, so I did this long acupuncture session with him where he basically did a, uh, I can't remember what he called it, but a very specific grid pattern for chi flow through the body and blood flow. And for me, it came up as, whoa, it's not so much like this pain from the accident and whatnot. It was like the tension and anger that comes from everyone involved, you know, like the people that caused it. Uh, Very specifically, the biggest part was that like until then, I... For probably five years, I haven't let anybody do any kind of like acupuncture or uh, chiropractic or trust any doctors or anything because I got screwed over by some people. They made some really bad decisions. And even for him, as soon you know, I was like, I let this guy do this to me and he did it and it's happened again. You know, it's <laughs> their fault. <laughs> I'm never doing this again. I'm never letting anybody touch me. Y'all are all idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like all of a sudden I'm up, I'm up there like fuming. Mm-hmm. Um and so doing this uh session that all came up. It was like, "Oh, I'm just like carrying that anger of being mad at them or some friends are not showing up or you know, all these things that created isolation, triggering of uh, tension to carry everything yourself. So still, uh, still, that was, oh God, that was only like two weeks ago. Fresh. Yeah. The first time I've talked about it. <laughs> Thank you for being vulnerable with me. Yeah, of course. Could you feel um, like the energy grid of it with the needles in you? Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's bonkers. Like, I mean, he would tell me, he's like, okay, like probably, you know, 15 minutes, you'll feel this like huge, just like, poof. I think he even made that sound like a poof, <laughs> move through your spine, like down through your back and stuff. I was like, oh, okay. You know, and, it, and he's like, it'll go to your feet and then come back up. And it was like, it did it. You know, it happened. It really, there's a full flow of uh energy like yeah just energy it's like your chi pretty wild um but it's really great because like these are some of the healing modalities that um they do during after the uh flower lounge events and that we also are trying to facilitate at our headquarters um it's called the sun center the self-arising nature center um, here in Phoenix, where I work at, and um, all these other beautiful healing people are at, and Alan, the acupuncturist, and whatnot. So, really trying to create more focus and more lightness around those those types of things. I love that you also have a mantra while you're cooking. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, my mantra while I'm cooking is abundance 
and I've added on ease, mm-hmm. abundance and ease. That's what I would like to put into everything, abundance and ease. And then underlying that is just pure compassion. Just like compassion, compassion, compassion. The mantra is Om Mani Padme Hum, which is just which, uh, means a lot of different things, but the jewel is in the lotus. And to get that is just to give compassion. And I really think that that comes out of my hands, you know? I, I can verify. Eating, <laughs> eating your food, you feel very nurtured and at peace. There was, mm. a, there was a day you came back through town just briefly, like you guys pulled up alongside our bus in the small hours, and then we had uh, soft shell crab, and I don't remember what all we had for breakfast, but we just sat together, and we were kind of stressed out with work, which is why we've come back to Charleston to focus on the day job stuff. And you and Ray just deeply centered everything. Remember we just like, we hung out on top of the bus and the storm was coming up and it was, it was beautiful. Oh, that was yeah. such a night for us too. It was just like such, such a nice and beautiful welcoming to have breakfast and relaxing times. We were, we had been on the road driving and seeing people for I think seven days. <laughs> oh, that was such, so nice watching that storm blow in. I love a storm. Mm-hmm. I have to come up there to uh, Phoenix and maybe see a haboob, the, the dust storms. The dust storms. <laughs> I saw one. We lived in Tucson briefly, and when we were moving there, we had the U-Haul truck. We were driving into town, and literally a haboob came out of nowhere. Like First, I was seeing all these dust that was like, oh, this is cool. This is We're really in the desert. And then the sky just went black. And, you know, it came towards us like this wall. We had to pull off to the side of the road. All of these cars, everyone just got off the road. You couldn't even see headlights. It was... Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. wild. Arizona is awesome. Yeah. It's kind of pretty magical. So what kind of person do you hope to be 30 years from now? In 30 years, I will be 63 years old. I hope to be able-bodied and... Uh, have even more small lines in my face than I do now and to be very comfortable and in a position where all I get to do is just help people um, from any standpoint. I hope to be really, I have, have, I have a lot of wisdom. I hope that I will be wise and I hope I have the opportunity to share that wisdom how about in 10 years? 10 years. In 10 years, I'll be 43. In 10 years, I also still hope to be able-bodied. <laughs> <laughs> this next and, step is big on your mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 10 years, it's a little easier to see some more worldly practical things. I hope to own a house. I hope to still be cooking food. Um, and I hope to really have other people that help me cook food, that cook for me, that cook in the manner that I do, that I can send out into the world to spread that same type of nourishment. And I hope to be a lot more knowledgeable of 
the TCM and Ayurvedic qualities of nourishing people. A life of learning and nourishment. Learning and nourishment. I hope to, you know, okay, here's a good one for just a solid thing that I have a goal for in 10 years is I hope that I, I get to go to Asia and learn from like some old lady that knows how to do everything the right way. Oh, man. I love it. Let's put it out there. Like a village, the village chef, you know, the she cooks and takes care of everybody from the medicinal standpoint, which is usually just normal food for them a lot of times. But there's so many things that get lost, like culturally lost because those people don't get to teach it to their children or to anyone. It never gets wrote down, you know. And I want to know those things. I want you to know them too and, and bring back the fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then as a side note too, I wonder, you could transmute it maybe to uh, ingredients that we have available here. Because I wonder if some of it can, isn't maybe necessarily a specific leaf or a dose, but it's a, a deep understanding of those properties, like moving energy this way and Right. Oh, you're just bringing up a in my mind a project of that's a really good one to keep in mind. I would love to create like an a what do you call it an appendium Ooh. of Maybe. or like a cross reference basically like all of these herbs and foods and ways of cooking these particular things they are for that place in that area and that's kind of the interesting thing about the Chinese medicine stuff is it's for that the people there you know but the methodologies of it we need to learn how to apply them here you should people yeah people here need different things like the most simple is like uh, I love milk my body loves milk a lot of uh, Southeast Asian uh, bodies don't like milk so there's uh, there's qualities to things that need to be cleared up and figured out. Yeah. yeah. That's an exciting experiment. You know, maybe you could, uh, I'm speaking selfishly here, you could post it on your website or you could send it out to your email subscribers and then write a book slowly that way. Ah, uh, like asking uh, what cross-reference or like what things they think are similar? Yeah, or, or sharing your findings and- Oh. asking for um, requests and just building it out. Because, I mean, that would probably be the work of a decade. It is. <laughs> That's the daunting it. side of it. And, yeah. gosh, all you got to do is just get started, right? <laughs> all the time in the world. <laughs> it's not easy, <laughs> and it's that hard. I did um, – I did a, <laughs> I might not keep this one in here. I did a, a shamanic journey the other day and I was asking for blessings and guidance with, with all this, with sharing everything and, and how, how to do it basically. And um, <laughs> I, I, was, I was given to someone who showed me and, and, and told me, well, all you have to do is hold this light all around you at all times. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> but it's also, that's it. 
you know, it's really it hard. And I've been trying to do it. It's like this, he showed me this huge globe of white and pink and purple light and how to extend it out to everyone around me, you know, and maybe I should try towards the stars like you're doing and send out offerings of this, this color that he showed me. I don't know. Beautiful. <laughs> so cool. Pretty way out there. Bye. So guys, if you want to connect with Justin, maybe hire him for a special event or an excursion, please visit him at chefjustinbuher.com. That's Booher, B-O-O-H-E-R. He has an especially beautiful website that will really put you into his world, which is a wonderful place to be. Justin, what a pleasure. I love this so much. Let's do this again. And you can talk some more about uh, the direct corollaries you found in uh, this hemisphere to TCM ingredients. Oh, now that I've put it out there, I have to do it. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to talk to you about all of it. So awesome. This is Paula Schmidt, and thank you for listening. Check out the show notes for links to everything we discussed in this episode on eveningskingdom.com, especially if you're interested to book Justin for a special event, or perhaps to attend an upcoming Lotus Way Flower Lounge event to experience the magic of the whole Sand Center community. That's Sand for Self Arising Nature. And the Lotus Way Flower Lounge is coming to Charleston, South Carolina on September 8th. 2022. If you'll be in the area, get your ticket now. I'm sure they'll sell out. And if you love fantasy books, remember to visit me at eveningskingdom.com to check out my epic fantasy series, Evening's Kingdom, as well as my backlist of books you can buy, fun journaling prompts, etc. And if you're a big-time fantasy lover, please reach out and email me for your free reviewer's copy of books one and two. I would love for the tangible story to come and live with you as a book you can hold in your hands and enjoy. Please subscribe and stay tuned. The rest of the story is just down the road.